You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. This is our final one on the uh, series of To Rome with Love, and then we'll jump into even more Romans for the rest of the year. Don't worry about that at all. But Romans chapter one is where we're going to be. If you got your Bible, why don't you turn there in Siena and Cyprus and downtown and also Digital Family in the Loop as well. We're going to be in Romans chapter one. This has been a great journey already. The first week that we talked about in the book of Romans, we talked about that we are called and we're set apart. Then as we journeyed on, we talked about how important it was to give thanks. And we had last time for you thankfulness cards that you could write a thank you card. And here's what's great news. I love this about our church. Last week, 10 thousand of these were taken and sent out this past week. Now think about that, 10,000 thank you notes going out all over our city to make a difference in people's lives. So much that we ran out, which was awesome. Can we just give a little cheer for that? How about that? Man, let's be grateful people. Parents, if we teach our kids anything, let's teach them gratitude, not entitlement but to say thank you. And we, so we reprinted them. We want to be a thankful church. We got more at the exits for you, more in the lobby for you. You can grab them, take those with you. We love to continue to just say thank you to everybody that's out there. And then now this week, we're jumping into a scripture that when we first kicked off Romans, we gave you these wristbands. It says, I am not ashamed in Romans chapter one, verse 16 and 17. And that's the verse that we're going to go over those two verses. We're just going to do two verses, but I just want you to know, that doesn't mean I'm going to preach any shorter, okay? It just means they're two really great verses. So Romans chapter 16 and 17 is where we'll be in just a second. When I was in Rome this summer studying for these messages and trying to get the feel of the whole place and everything that's going on in Rome, we went with our tour guide said, hey, let's take you to a place to eat. And I said, I want to go where you would eat. Where's, where's like the cool hip place that like the Romans go? And she said, okay, I got the place for you. So she took our family and we headed off to this kind of cool uh, area in Tra- Trast. Ebere, I think maybe something like that. It's on kind of the Vatican side of the river. There's a river that goes through Rome. And we're walking by this church and I look up and I see this this emblem on the top of this church. I said, what church is that? And she said, that's First Baptist Church. And I said, well, I'm interested. (laughs) What does it say? And so here's what was above the door of the First Baptist Church. They call it Evangelical Baptist Church of this certain area. Romans 1 verse 16 is on the top of the door. Isn't that awesome? In the city of Rome, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How cool, look at the next little picture, just give a little more context. There it is, this church. And then we moved on and had a great time, but it was amazing. I thought, I'm gonna take those pictures that I took right there on my phone, because we're gonna to get to that verse of scripture and to be able to declare in this church and in our church as well, Romans chapter one, verse 16 and 17. Look at your Bible. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Massive verse right there. For first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Verse 17, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, it's all about faith, to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
Now, Paul is going to state that he's unashamed of the gospel. He's going to state it by saying the gospel is God's power, the gospel is for everyone, and the gospel reveals God's righteousness. So what is the gospel? What does that mean? Simply put, the gospel is good news. That's what it means. It's good news. Now, there's a lot of good news that you can have, but this is a deep, soulful, eternal good news. It's good news to find out it's going to be 72 degrees and there's not going to be any rain. That's good news. It's good news to find out that the Dow Jones or the S&P 500 is going up. That's good news. Now, unfortunately, neither of those two things have happened, okay? But that's good news. It's good news to find out someone's going to take you to dinner. That's good news. But this good news is good news for the soul, for the heart. It's good news not just for today. It's good news for eternity. It's not good news just on earth. It's good news in heaven. It is the good news that Jesus Christ has come to earth to forgive us of our sins, to live inside our hearts through the Holy Spirit and to guide our lives. That's the good news of the gospel. The gospel is for salvation, no doubt about it, but gospel is also for the power of living out the Christian life as well. Now, when you think about the gospel, you can define it. I looked up in a, a Greek a dictionary, basically, of how, what does this Greek word mean of the gospel? It means good news, as we've been talking about, but it also, they give, went further in this commentary. It said, in a number of languages, the expression, the gospel, or the good news, must render a phrase. So in some languages, you got to say more than just good news to really get the point across. So here's a couple examples. News that makes one happy. Information that causes one joy. Words that bring smiles, and this is my favorite, a message that causes the heart to be sweet. Isn't that a great definition of the gospel? A message that causes the heart to be sweet. Sweet because there's forgiveness and there's a relationship with Jesus Christ and God the Father through Christ and also sweet in our actions. So the gospel is the good news. And he says, I don't want you to be ashamed of it. I don't want you to be ashamed of it. And shame is where we want to hide things. We want to keep things back. If you're ashamed of something, you don't want anybody to know. You want to keep it back and keep it in the darkness, keep it hidden. And he says, I don't want you to be ashamed of the gospel. I don't want you to keep it back. I don't want you to hold it back. See, it takes some guts, doesn't it, to wear a Christian t-shirt at times, to wear a bracelet that says, I'm not ashamed. Now, I'm not saying if you're wearing it, you're not ashamed. And if you aren't wearing it, you're ashamed. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just saying it's to say I'm a believer. Don't you love it when you hear an athlete or a politician or a leader say, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ or something in you goes, yeah, because they're not ashamed. There's something that hits our spirit with that. And so the shame is to bring it back and to hide it, but it makes the heart sweet. Now, why would we be ashamed? Let me give you just three possibilities. Maybe there's a deficit. There's a deficit that you've got inadequate information. You don't know how good the gospel is. You haven't really understood how wonderful it is. I'm going to try to tell you about it today. And so you're just kind of ashamed of it. You don't really know if you want to let it out there because you don't know if you have all the information. Are you really spiritually growing? Maybe it's deception, having inaccurate information. This is a big one for us in the world. Many folks think that the gospel is for church people, sweet people, all those church going people in the South. Oh, have your gospel. That's awesome. Good for you. That's deception. The gospel is for every human being on planet earth. 
Every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every age, every single person needs a right relationship with God. And that comes through Jesus Christ and the good news that he died on the cross, rose again, and he is there for you to believe in as your savior. So it's not just for the church going folks in the South. It is for every single one. Do not be deceived. Every human will stand before God. Every human has been created by God. Every human has sinned against God. And therefore, every human needs a savior from their sin. And that is Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel. Number three, there's doubt. Maybe you have incomplete information. You've never really fully embraced the gospel. Now, if you're walking with doubt, that's fine. You can walk, walk through it. Study, learn, understand. Doubting Thomas began to be uh, turned into powerful Thomas. So there's nothing wrong with doubt, but it'll keep you back from sharing the gospel. If you're like, I don't really know if this thing really works. Have you ever been ashamed of the gospel? I remember I was a sacker at Randall's when I was growing up in high school. So always tip your sacker. He may be your pastor one day, okay? And the way it would work back then, you would get a check. You remember those things? They were called checks. You get a check, and if it was over a certain amount, the sacker would have to take it from the checker, and the checker would give the, the sacker the check, and then I would have to go to the courtesy booth, and the manager of the courtesy booth would have to initial that that check for that amount that could be written. And I'd have to come back, very inefficient, and then get right there to give it back to the checker to then get the money uh, to go through and all those sort of things. So I got the check. I went to the courtesy booth, as I was instructed to do. The, believer, uh, the manager was a believer, and I said, look at this check check. Look what's written on it. And standing there right next to me was a person that I knew well and was trying to share the gospel with. And they said, what's written on it? And I said, nothing. And then they said, no, what's written on it? And I said, oh, you wouldn't be interested. It's a Bible verse. What's written on it? Oh, you wouldn't like it. And then I heard a rooster crow in produce, you know, (laughs) in the back. And finally, I went, well, it's a Bible verse, and it says, and I read the Bible verse, and the person said, that's awesome. That's great. But I was ashamed of it at first. It took me three times to say there was a Bible verse on that. Have you ever been embarrassed of your faith? Has anybody ever asked you about Jesus, and you somehow tried to get out of it? How's it feel? Terrible, doesn't it? And Paul says, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody asks you about your weekend, will you mention church or will you hide church? Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what, Paul had every reason to be ashamed of the gospel. Paul had been imprisoned in Philippi. He had been chased out of Thessalonica. He'd been smuggled out of Berea. He'd been laughed at at Athens. In Corinth, his message was called foolishness by the Greeks and a stumbling block by the Jews. He had going to pay for it with his life in 66 AD. He's going to be beheaded right outside of Rome. He has every reason to hide the gospel. The gospel has not been really helpful to Paul's advancing his career. And yet he is saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is my privilege to preach the gospel. I want to preach the gospel. The gospel is so crucial for me. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Now think of where Paul is preaching this. He's preaching this to Rome. 
Rome would say to Paul, you should be ashamed of the gospel. Here's what one uh, commentator, Warren Wearsby, says. The Romans had no special appreciation for the Jews, and crucifixion was the lowest form of execution given to a criminal. Why put your faith in a Jew that was crucified? Rome was a proud city, and the gospel came from Jerusalem, the capital of one of the little nations that Rome had already conquered. The Christians in that day were not the elite of society. They were the common people, even the slaves. Rome had their philosophies. Rome had their power. Rome had their their different levels of, of class, basically. And you call yourselves brothers and sisters with the poor? Paul, you should be ashamed of this gospel. It's almost humorous to think that you as a little Jewish tent maker would come and declare to us that the good news is for a Jewish carpenter to be crucified like a criminal in one of the places that we've taken over in Jerusalem. And you're going to come and tell us in Rome about this? Rome was proud. Rome had a million people in it at the time of Paul. Do you know the next city that had a million people in it? was London in the 18th century. It took 1,700 years, basically, 16, 1,700 years in the Industrial Revolution to kick off to go from Rome's million to a million in London in the 18th century. Rome thought they were the stuff, and they were. And Paul says to Romans, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you feel that? Neat thing happened just in one of our high schools, and I asked permission from the, the parents and family to be able to share this. One of these bracelets, I'm not ashamed. A senior girl was going into her first day of school this year. School just started, as you know, and she wrote a note to herself. Look at this note that she wrote. So cool, so proud of her. August 14th, 2022. Tomorrow is your first day of your senior year at MHS. Go in with God's power and strength and let Him shine through you, for I am not ashamed. Romans chapter one. Can we give a cheer for students who stand for their faith? Boy, and it's hard though, isn't it? It's hard. Get a little nervous when somebody finds out where your faith is. But here's the deal. It's not based on you. The gospel holds God's power. The gospel holds God's power. The power's not in you. The power's not in me. Paul actually says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. For my message and preaching were not persuasive words of wisdom, but a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. It holds God's power. Gospel is found four times in these first 17 verses of the book of Romans. It holds God's power. Now think of the power that Rome had. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power, Greek word dunamis, where we get dynamo or dynamite. It is the dunamis unto salvation for everyone. He's stepping forward in the face of Rome and saying, Rome, you think you got power? What's Rome here now? It's the Roman empire. Greece had their philosophy. Rome had the power. And Paul says to the Romans, the power is in the gospel 
of God. The good news can change a sinner's heart. A good news can change a sinner's mind. Good news, here's why it's so important. Good news can change a man or change a woman. And as it changes that man or changes that woman, it can change that family. And as it changes that family, it changes those kids. As it changes those kids, it changes the schools. As it changes the schools, it changes the neighborhood. As it changes the workplace, it changes the state. As it changes the state, it changes the nation and it ultimately changes the world. The power is in the gospel good news of all eternity, heaven-sending, mind-changing, heart-shaping, sin-forgiving gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that. It's coming from God. And it is what we need in society and what we need in our hearts. It is the power of God. The power is in the gospel, not in us. And Rome, let me tell you, friend, they understood power. They understood power. Because you're speaking right to the heart of the Roman Empire saying, it's not Caesar, it's God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Where's the power? The power's in the Lord. And it's in the gospel. And we just get to be servants of it. We get to share it. The fields are wide unto harvest, but the laborers are few. Do you share the gospel? Do you share the good news? I'll, I'll tell you how to do it in just a second. Do you, do you declare it? Do you go places? Are you praying for somebody right now? A neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a teacher, a student, a, 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 a player on a team that you're playing on, whatever it is. Are you praying for anybody for the opportunity to share the gospel? When we built this whole worship center again, we have names, tens of thousands of names all on the floor of people that we said we're gonna share the gospel. Right under is where I put my names. I wrote them all down. There's still one who has not come to Christ and I'm praying for him almost every day. Still, I'm trying. They're not real open, but I'm still praying. Sharing the gospel, the power is in the gospel, not in us. I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica years back and it was awesome to go to Costa Rica. And just like all of you, I took Spanish in high school and about all I can remember is donde esta el baño, right? That's about all we got. And I'd like queso, you know, that's about what, what we've got, even though we've all taken all these years and years and years of Spanish. And so, but that's where we get down to. So students, you know, learn your Spanish. You're going to need it. It's a good thing. So I got on this, this mission trip. And so now, now I'm in the flow and I'm starting to kind of, I'm going to relearn this. And I'm going to do this. And all these words are coming back to me, back and forth, back and forth. So finally I decided we got to this place where I was going to share the gospel with this, this one guy in this neighborhood. He was a teenager. So it was right by his house. And so I walked up and I said, como esta? He said, bien. He too. I said, bien. I said, yo me llamo Gregorio. He said, esta bien. And I, I was done after that. That was about all I had, right? <laughs> Spanish 101, but I was rocking it until, you know, that, right? How are you? And here's my name. So then I start kind of doing kind of broken Spanish. So now I'm starting to, I'm going to share the gospel with him. We've kind of connected a little bit. We've been talking. And so I get to the part where I'm going to tell him that Jesus can forgive his sins. So I look at him. And I said, Jesucristo. And I couldn't think of what forgiveness was. We'll forgive pescados todos. If you speak Spanish, you're laughing. <laughs> the word in Spanish for sin is pecado. The word in Spanish for fish is pescado, okay? <laughs> Very close. So what do you do when you're speaking a foreign language to somebody? It's not a foreign language to him, but to me, you just say it louder, right? That'll help. So I say, Jesucristo, 
can forgive pescados todos. And I'm ready. Oh, man, I, I declared it. I'm bold. I said, tu comprende? And he said in English, perfect English, yes, Jesus can forgive all my fish. So I just went with it. I was like, yeah, red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish, all your fish, he can forgive. I said, man, no, I meant pecado. I mean, your sin. Jesus can forgive all your sin. And we talked a little longer, and he bowed his head right there, and he asked Jesus Christ to forgive his sin. And he trusted in the gospel good news. And it really didn't matter how good of a job I did. It said I stood out there willingly and shared with him what I knew was true, that Jesus could forgive him. It really just takes a willing heart, doesn't it? But if we're ashamed of the power of God that has sweetened our heart, we'll just talk around the whole thing. We'll talk about issues. We'll talk about morality. We'll talk about this, that, and the other. And we'll never get to the heart of Jesus Christ for you in a relationship with God. You're going to have to come through Jesus. And it's going to require a bended knee to the power of God. Third, And final point is this, the gospel welcomes everyone. Well, actually, almost final point. The gospel welcomes everyone. Look at what it says in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. Wow, okay. To everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. It is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Now, the gospel welcomes everyone, but we know that the gospel is not welcomed by everyone. Hear that? The gospel welcomes everyone. It is open to everyone. Jesus died for the world, for God's only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. So John 3, 16, He sent Him for the world. The gospel is open for everyone, but not everyone is welcoming the gospel. Why? Because it requires a bended knee of humility. It's not just a self-help program. It's not just a do-better program. It's not just to hold your your life over here. It's to find your life, you have to lose it. For I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For taking up your cross, for I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. For the road is broad that leads to destruction, but the road is narrow that leads to life. For I'm a city set upon a hill. I'm the salt of the earth. I'm I'm a place where the thirst quencher can come. I can make you thirsty for the gospel so that the the one that quenches all thirst can come. And it requires humility to say, God, I've sinned. That's real hard to say as a human. We're a lot better at saying, they did this to me. Sinned. And I need good news for the soul. And good news is not just I'm going to try to show up more to a place on Sunday and quit cussing. That's not going to get you to heaven. It's Jesus Christ dying on the cross for you and for me, rising again from the grave and placing your faith in him alone for salvation. And guess what? Not everybody's going to like that. 
And Paul stood up and said, I'm not ashamed to the Roman Empire, the fact that I'm in love with a Jewish carpenter who was the son of God and died a criminal's death on my behalf. Because that's the power of God for salvation. And it's open to everyone. Now look at what Paul says. First to the Jew, what was Paul? He was a Jew. He was a scholar, Jewish scholar. And then to the Greek, who, 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 is, who was he going to? He was going to the Greeks, meaning the, the, the non-Jews, basically, which is most of us. And I'm going to declare the gospel to the Roman Greco world, and I'm going to declare that it is the righteousness of God. Look at what happens, and this really is our last point. Verse 17. Verse 17 says, the gospel reveals God's righteousness. Here it is. For in, for in, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. So he says, this is going to reveal the righteousness of God. What is the righteousness of God? It's an exchange. I've sinned. You've sinned. I can exchange for God's righteousness. He who was righteous, he came to earth so that he could pay for my sins so that I could exchange as an unrighteous one and receive. That's good news. There's a, there's a trade that happens. Sin for holiness. The gospel reveals God's righteousness. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to, as we've talked about this, we gave you walking in the door this little thing with your notes. Um, and so you should have gotten it kind of looked like this when we gave it to you. Online community, our hosts will tell you kind of how to find this. And so you got your notes here. Note takers are difference makers. Better a small pencil than a long memory, right? Short pencil than a long memory. So be taking notes. But here we have, and I want you to turn to the very back the very back here where you get to these three circles. Now, we've got out in the lobby for you. If you don't like this one, we've got them in Spanish. We've got these other ones here that look like this. Um, we've got all sorts of stuff. We've got a QR code on the listening guide at the very bottom that you can just scan and we'll send you to our website. But let me just take this one for you, okay? How do you share the gospel with somebody? And if you're here and you don't know the gospel, what is it? Well, here it is. Number one, there's a circle there that says God's design. God's design. God designed the world perfectly. Do you remember the Garden of Eden, man and God walking together? Everything was great. But what happened? There was sin that came in. And Adam and Eve, they took the bite of the apple. They, they sinned. They went against God. And guess what? If you were there and I were there, we'd have done the same thing. So they sinned, and that led to brokenness. They were kicked out of the garden, and now there's thorns, and there's work, and there's all these things that have happened. That The brokenness and those little squiggly arrows are our attempts to fix the brokenness. I'm gonna fix myself, I'm gonna fix society, I'm gonna fix it with this, I'm gonna fix it with that. And the whole world is trying to do that. We've been trying to do that for thousands of years. Let me just ask you, how's it going? We there yet? We're trying, we're trying. So we need something from heaven as, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, the Lord's prayer. And so brokenness, it's gonna be fixed by repentance and belief in the gospel. So the good news, so now I say, I'm broken, I've sinned, and I know I've got things that are not right in me, and I need the power of God, the gospel of God in my life. You can still have counseling, you can still have Bible study, you can still have all sorts of things. We'll, we'll see that in just a minute. But to be able to repent, and I believe in Jesus, you're the creator of the world, and I place my belief in you, and the good news, that you can sweeten my heart. Then we recover and pursue God's grand design again his perfect design. That's growing in our faith. 
walking in our faith and walking it out to grow in our faith. That is a powerful, powerful thing. So the gospel is to share. Now, if you don't like this and you don't like this and you don't want to do this, that's totally cool. Let these inform how you share, but here's what you cannot do. I just am one of those believers that just don't share. That's not an option. It's not an option. If you're a Christian, God has made you as a person to share. Now, you don't have to have this. You don't have to have this. You figure out how you do it, and you rock and roll. That's great. You can take this. You can give it to a waiter. You can give it to a friend. You can move through it. You can just read it. I encourage you to at least read this. It'll take you literally 120 seconds to read it, and it'll inform you either on how to be a Christian or how to share your faith with somebody else because the gospel is for everyone, and it is to reveal God's righteousness. We have good news. Everybody's celebrating a whole lot of bad news, and we're all ashamed of our good news. And instead, we're able to share, not obnoxious, not pushing it out of anybody's throat, not beating anybody up with it. That doesn't do anybody any good. But to be able to say, I want to tell you about the most important thing in my life. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. I've been praying for you. I just want you to know, can I, can I share with you? Can I just give you a word on that? And then it says, the righteous will live by faith. It happens through faith, the righteousness of God through faith. Here's what William Barclay says, and we'll wrap this up. Righteousness means that God treats the sinner as if he had not been a sinner at all. A parallel word to righteousness is justification or to be declared righteous. To justify means that God treats sinners as if they had never been sinners. Instead of treating them as criminals, he treats them as children. That's good news. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for first the Jew and then the Gentile. For it is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Here's the deal. God's not asking you to behave. He's asking you to believe. God is not asking you to behave. He's asking you to believe. Salvation does not come from increased good behavior. That's works. Salvation comes from belief. And that's why he says very clearly there, he says, first to the, uh, for salvation to everyone who believes in verse 16 then your belief will inform your behavior. Your heart will get sweet here. Your actions will get sweeter out here. It'll change how you believe or change how you behave by what you believe. Now, let me close with this last illustration and we're done. There's a man driving by, true story, and he noticed that there was a car that had a flat tire. So he thought, well, I'll pull over and help. He could see the driver was kind of working with it and try that. So he pulled over and he helped. He got the right tools out. He changed the flat tire. He didn't realize it, but then the back window went down. This tinted window went down and he looked and here was this world famous celebrity, wealthy, wealthy, wealthy celebrity. 
And the celebrity said, thank you for changing the tire for me and my wife want to do something for you. Here's some money. Can we give you some money? The guy said, no, man, I, I, don't, I don't want any money. I just did this out of the kindness of my heart. He said, well, we want to do something for you. Is there anything we can do? Please take this. No, no, no. You don't worry about it a bit. I just, I just wanted to help and I just helped. Just, just, it's just an honor to meet you, really. It's a pleasure to meet you. And he said, well, surely there's something we could do. And the guy finally thought, and he said, you know, there is one thing. If you would send my wife flowers, she would think that was the coolest thing in the world. And the celebrity gentleman said, sure, give me your, give me your, give me your address. So he gave the address, wrote down the name, and gave it to him through the window. Window went up. A few days went by, and all of a sudden, this beautiful bouquet of flowers arrives, and they got it sitting on their kitchen counter there, and they take the card, and the wife's like, who is this from, honey? You know, and he's like, not me. And so... She takes the card and she reads the card and sees it from the celebrity and she just cannot believe it as she looks down to see the name. And she reads the card and it says this, thank you so much for your help in changing our tire. I hope that you enjoy these flowers. And also we paid off your mortgage. Can you imagine having enough money to pay off somebody else's mortgage? Can you imagine having enough money to pay off your mortgage? Yeah. <laughs> And I submit to you the gospel's better. It's better news. Because one day that house will never be. One day that house will be done. Somebody will either knock it down or it'll just be Jesus has returned. But the good news of the sweet blossom of the flowers of the gospel in your heart and mind saves your soul and mine so that for all of eternity, I can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And Paul says, I'm not ashamed because it's the power of God and I wanna share it with the people that I love. We'll give you the tools. Will you have the courage? Father, we love you and we thank you, Lord, for the gospel of God. We thank you for its power. We thank you for its truth. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, Jesus that you came to planet earth, you walked these dusty roads, that you died for us, that you are the forgiveness of sin. And we just say that's the best news we could ever encounter. And Lord, may we walk unashamed of the gospel of Christ. And we take that step to not, how is this going to affect me, but how is this going to affect the kingdom of God? If you're a believer in Christ, would you just pray a simple but dangerous prayer? God, give me courage to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. God, give me courage to not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Father, it makes no sense for us to be ashamed of you, but for some reason we get nervous and scared and we don't share and we don't stand. If you don't know 100% sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you pray as I pray a phrase and you just repeat after me? God, I know your design was perfect. Perfect. 
but I sinned and I'm broken. I've tried a million ways to fix my heart. I repent and believe in Jesus. You are the way. Forgive my sins. Wash me clean. And be my Savior. Lastly, I place my faith in the good news of Jesus. Father, we love you. We thank you for Paul. Short little tent maker that stood up to Rome with where the real power was, unashamed, and it literally cost him his life, but his legacy still lives, and your word still lives. We love you. Jesus, we love you. Thank you. We're grateful. You've paid off more than our mortgage. You've paid off our debt to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.